I managed to go 54 years of life without ever out putting a scuba tank on and only going like free diving and snorkeling. And I've been in the water my whole life. And, uh, but uh, Terry Fernando just actually took off. Terry got me in a scuba tank probably around right before Thanksgiving into Halloween. And we've been going down to Blue Heron Bridge and diving. And now, those of you who know, you, if you scuba, anybody here scuba divers? Okay. If you're certified, you know that you cannot go fill tanks unless you are certified. And so, you know, I've been trying through numerous ways. I was trying to sell a surfboard, and it wouldn't sell. And God said, no, give that surfboard away. So I gave it away. I tried doing other things and all these different ways to come up with 350 bucks to get certified. Because without certification, I couldn't get my tanks filled. And uh, Terry would get my tanks filled, but my tanks have my name on them. And so the guy said, well, I really can't fill his tanks anymore because they have his name. And so you can't scuba without air. And I'm like, God, I've been trying since before Thanksgiving. And so God's been picking up tours. And I'll take like, I've been taking my tip money, you know, which really should go to budgets. But I've been taking my tip money and just kind of saving it up to get going towards that. And, and I was getting close. And it's something really cool. I've just been praying, saying, God, you know, I, I see your glory out there. I see what's going on out there. And uh, anyways, God put it on somebody's heart and uh, not say who it is or anything, but, but put it on somebody's heart to give me this envelope today. <laughs> and now I am set to go get certified. I have what God yeah, so, so God's getting ready to take me deeper still. And, and again, you know, you may look at us, oh, that's diving, man. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to pay my bills too, man. There's nothing in the budget for diving. But there is when you live in God's economy. Man, God just keeps taking care of us in different ways. And so if he's given me the opportunity to dive and do it legally and do it right, man, he wants me to do it for his glory. So, so y'all get ready to see some pictures and some different stuff and some illustrations. But... Uh, Man, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. But that is a praise because all I've been doing is praying, saying, God, you know, show me how to do this. And he, out of the blue, put it on someone's heart, man. And not only did I get what I need, but I've got an envelope that's decorated, too. That, that envelope will mean the world. At home, I have a personal praise jar that Ashley had made for me. And that envelope's going to go in that praise jar. So anytime I'm looking... And I'm wondering, God, how are you going to take care of this? How are you going to take care of that? I can look in there and I can see that, man, if he'll take care of that, he'll take care of everything. Man, do you believe that you got a God that can do anything? Man, isn't that awesome? All right. There's a guy. Um, in, we're, we're getting ready to take the last part of uh, George, uh, the last part of Stephen. Uh, uh, he's the first martyr in the church. He was a deacon. Well, I don't know if he's a deacon. He was serving tables. He then got the opportunity to preach to the Jews, and he let them have it, man. He shared the full gospel, knowing that they could put him in jail, knowing that they could condemn him to death and all of this. But he did what God wanted him to do. He was a faithful, faithful man. And um, it ends up that at the end of this story in Acts chapter 7, he really, truly did get killed, okay? And we're going to be looking at that today. And you're like, God, man, I don't want to come here and hear about some guy getting killed and stoned and all of that. But there's a tremendous principle in this for us. And, and I want you guys to repeat this after me, okay? The first part is master the heavenly uplook. Help me out. Master the heavenly uplook. Man, if there's anything we can master in this life. I'm fixing to study. Man, I've been watching the DVDs, and I'm fixing to study. And this little, like, diving thing, man, it's kind of complicated, you know? Some of it is. And, and I'm going to have to master this because when I'm under the water, 
and I'm under 100 feet or so, and, and my tank, you know, something messes up, I'm going to have to have those facts mastered to be able to make it back up again and breathe air like I can. There's lots of things that we master. How many of you have mastered something in life? You know, we've all mastered the, and I like that laugh, and I'm not even going to ask you what you have mastered. You can post it on Facebook, and we will, we will all look it up there, but, but man, we've all mastered things, man. There's, there's so many things we've mastered, but the, the thing that matters the most that we master is the heavenly uplook. So one more time, say, master the heavenly uplook. And that means that in every situation, instead of looking out, we are looking up. Master the heavenly uplook. Now repeat after me, not the earthly outlook. Okay, so let's put all that together. Master the heavenly uplook, not the earthly outlook. Because isn't that where we live? So often, man, we got stuff going on and we master this earthly outlook. Aren't we playing chess in life a lot of times? We're looking, that's going to happen. And I'm going to predict that when that happens, they're going to do this. They're going to do this. I'm looking for this. And we're playing chess in life, if you would. And we're trying to hedge our bets. We're trying to find, put ourselves in the best position we can. If this happens, this happens, this happens. And my friend, my psychic friend, how many of you are so good at predicting the future that you could right now go pick a lottery ticket? Or if you don't believe in gambling, you could actually go buy stocks which isn't gambling at all, right? But <laughs> how many of you know the future so well you could do that? But yet most of our life when we're mastering that earthly outlook, we're looking and we're reading people saying, oh, my experience is when they do this, they're doing this. So I'm now going to protect myself against that or I'm going to now get the inroad and, and I'm going to make progress in this direction while they're doing this and they're doing this. Or we even manipulate people to do all these different things. How many of y'all are guilty of any of that? How many of y'all are pretty good at mastering that earthly outlook? Every one of us, because that's how we live before we're born again. But now that we're born again, now that we've given our life to Jesus Christ, it is so much more important to master the heavenly uplook. And look there first. And let God deal with this. Because isn't when you read the scripture, doesn't God just do it backwards half the time? I mean, what, what, what glory is it if God does it the way everybody else has it done? If God just does it the way it always works out, people look at it and say, oh, big deal. I've seen that happen a million times. Doesn't God like to do it in an off-the-wall way? Doesn't God like to do it in a way where he says, here, watch this. <laughs> and you now look down and you see what he did. And there's, it's undeniable that he did it that way. We're going to see that at the end of Stephen's life. And we can see it in our life. If we will, help me out one more time, master the and not the... Exactly. We've got to master that. Now, you know where I got that quote from? I got it back in 1988 when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ. And some of my mentors, when I first became born again, they showed me some people that I should read books by, other than the Bible. But they knew that these guys were solid and they were following about. One, I loved reading about D.L. Moody. Anybody know about D.L. Moody? Man, God uses dumpy old shoe salesmen that just murdered the king's English to rock two continents for Christ. And, and, and if he can do that with him, he can do it with me. And one of the things that came about from him, what changed his life, is he heard two old ladies on the front of the, of the, the church one time saying, it is yet to be seen what God can do through one person who's holy and fully surrendered to God. And D.L. Moody said, I want to be that guy. And from that point on, he said, I am going to be holy and fully surrendered to God. And man, God used him to rock two continents. 
Another guy um, that I started reading a lot of um, in, in all that, R.A. Torrey. That was one of his understudies. D.L. Moody, man, God would call him to do some crazy stuff. But as you know, most of the leaders don't actually do it. They get their understudies to do it. They'd be like, oh, go to Chicago. This is before the fire. In the middle of the day and rent a building. And we're going to have a big businessman's lunch at the time when everybody was basically busy doing business. And D.L. Moody's like, all right, it ain't going to work. So D.L. Moody would go do it, and sure enough, man, everybody would come, and everybody would get saved and give their life to Christ. So D.L. Moody, as his under, R.A. Torrey's understudy, would, would actually, he can show you the background of these miracles and these things happening. But prior to these guys, just a little bit prior to these guys, there was a guy named George Mueller. Anybody heard of George Mueller before? Oh, my goodness. You ever want to believe in the power of prayer. You ever want to know how God wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed? Read George Mueller. It's not about him. What he does is he just, it, it's, it's recorded uh, events of things in his life that he just prayed and prayed and prayed. His main theory in life was, I'm going to pray about everything. You're like, well, that's not new, but how many of you can say, I pray about everything before it actually happens? And I'm not even going to let people know needs I have. I'm just going to let God know, and he will let people know. What a cool way to live. And you're saying, yeah, but we can't do that in 2017. Man, they couldn't do it back when he was doing it, but he did it. The God that answered his prayers is the same God we worship now. And so, man, you want to hear some cool stuff? Read George Mueller. You want to grow your faith and be challenged in your faith to ask God to make you a part of something supernatural? Read George Mueller. Not that you're going to do the same things as him, but God's going to make it with a current application. This guy, George Mueller, he was born close to the beginning of the 1800s and died about the end of the 1800s. And um, he was born uh, at a time when there was really no middle class um, in Germany. He was, uh, uh, you know, there was really rich and really poor. And he happened to be in the really rich group. And he took advantage of it as a young man. He never did the right thing. He was a liar, a, th a thief. He stole things. He cheated. He, he was out for himself. But one day he got born again. And when he got born again, he used all of the skills that he had in doing all of those bad things now, he used them as skills in doing what God wanted him to do. And of all things, what God wanted him to do was start orphanages. And that's what he did. And people said, you're crazy. You're crazy because there was the aristocrats and there were the very poor. And the people who were rich did not want the poor to have a chance to be richer. Everybody had their place. And so George Mueller, he was actually criticized for helping people get out of their class, so to speak, by the aristocrats. And he, start, he was a master at education, starting schools, but everything he did had a Christian foundation to it. And he was an evangelist, first and foremost. But some just stories, and I'm not gonna preach on George Mueller, we gotta get to Steve in here, but man, one of the stories that I love the most is they're in this orphanage. Now, once he left the aristocrats, he basically got cut off from the aristocrats. Once they saw he was using his money for the poor people, they really weren't going to contribute theirs anymore because they didn't. They wanted the division between the two classes. And so he now had to go to God for everything. And one time it was in one of his orphanages, man, he had all these orphans and they sat around the dinner table. And there they are at the dinner table and they had a little bit of food, but they had nothing to drink. They had no milk. They needed milk and they had no milk. 
And there they get to pray and they bow their heads to pray for the food. And they say, God, thank you for the food that you provided. And Father, thank you for the milk that you are going to provide, that you put in my heart that I know is going to be provided just when it needs to happen. And about that time, guess what happened? A knock on the door and a dude with what kind of truck? A milk truck. He opened up and said, dude, my, he didn't say dude, but he would have now. But he said, man, my, my wheel broke on my milk truck. It's broke down. And if I, man, I don't even know anybody that could use as much milk as I have right now. It's all got to be used almost instantly. Where can I give away all this milk? Because my truck broke down right here in front of your building. Guess who had the use for all that milk? George Mueller, man. What a great, and story after story after story. Man, if you go on Kindle, you can buy his books for 99 cents. You can read them for free. That's how much the world values this stuff. But man, you want to see how God has used men and women of God. Read about these people. And don't think it's generational. Don't think it's from a, from a different century and it's not going to work. This is the same God we worship right now. But I don't think there's as many people out there right now who are crazy enough crazy enough to take God at his word and have the faith to trust him to do something so supernatural that only he could get blamed. We put a timeline on the stuff that we want God to do and we doesn't do it. We're going to go to Walmart <laughs> or, or we're going to get a second job or we're going to, we're going to go to Publix. Sorry if you don't like Walmart. Oh, Target. Well, we'll go to one of the places and we'll provide for ourselves, man. Read these great minute about these great men and women of God and, and let it challenge you to be like them. Instead of getting in your self-sufficient, lukewarm way of life that our American dream has put us in. I'm not criticizing that. I am so grateful. As you see, I have not missed many meals. <laughs> and I won't miss one today. I'll find one somewhere. I'll find more than one. But, so I'm not criticizing that. But man, it is time for us to come back to faith. It is time for us to be examples to this dying and lost world and let God do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed for. And that's what we're going to see here. So master, help me out, master. And, and look, it's up here if you guys don't remember it, all right? Master the, not the, exactly. Now, God doesn't tell us to just forget about everything happening, but that's secondary. All that earthly outlook is for is to see what the needs are. <laughs> To see what those needs are. And then when, he, when we have that, earth, that heavenly uplook and he does it supernaturally, now we got something to compare it to. And it's like, wow, thank you, God, for not doing this the way I thought it would be done. Thank you for doing it. So awesome because now I'm going to brag on you. And that's called praise. That's where we're at. Watch how this happens with Stephen and watch how it happens with the people who stone him to death. One group has mastered the earthly outlook. The other person has mastered the heavenly outlook. All right, chapter 7, starting in verse 54. It says, when they heard these things. Now, that's the religious leaders of the day who now have heard the gospel for sure for the third time. And Stephen, you remember, they, Stephen was doing miracles, doing awesome things for God. And all of a sudden, they came, and the temple was full of people. They came, and they carried him off, and they arrested him. And they accused him of, of blaspheming Moses, blaspheming the law, blaspheming the word of God, blaspheming God. And he just had this long dissertation on how he didn't do that, but they had been doing that for ever since Abraham. They have been, they have the ones that have been, 
been killing the prophets and blowing off everything God said. And so now when they heard that, that he had turned the tables and now they were truly scripturally guilty of doing what they had accused him to do, look what happens. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Literally in the Greek, it means they were cut in half and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Hey, where in else in scripture do you see gnashing of teeth? Hell. Dude, they are acting like children from hell. In hell, people are gnashing their teeth. It is described as that. These are not people filled with the Spirit. What happened is the Holy Spirit has cut them in half and shown them they are guilty of something. And instead of now responding in the proper way, they turn to the inappropriate way and they start gnashing their teeth. Dude, when you gave your life to Christ, man, hey, when you gave your life to Christ, you had conviction, right? And that conviction, you could have responded two ways. You could have gnashed your teeth. You could have lashed out at Ashley for sharing the gospel. You could have, you could have just blown it off and said, I'm not it. That's not the solution. But instead, God, you are full of God's spirit. He gave you. Did you fight Ashley? Did she have to wrestle you to the ground and put you in a holy headlock? And, and put a knee in your back and say, Uncle, save Jesus as Lord. Did you have to do that? No, no dude, where did it come from? It came from inside. It was the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. That's one response. They had just the opposite, man. They were gnashing with their teeth. Okay? So those people, they were gnashing with their teeth because they had the earthly outlook master. All right. When John the Baptist, this is the third person they're getting ready to put down. Do you remember when John the Baptist first came on the scene? He called him a brood of vipers, said, you guys are like a whitewashed sepulcher. You guys are like a beautiful tomb on the outside, but inside are full of rottenness. Your religion is all exterior and nothing on the interior. And what did they do to John the Baptist? They killed him. They, that was representing God the Father. All right, what about Jesus when he said the same thing? When Jesus went and attacked him, what did they do with him? They killed him. Okay, so they have now offended God the Father. They have now offended God the Son. And here they are now going against God the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has cut them to the heart, cut them in half. You have a decision to make. EJ, hold tight, man. See this flashlight right here? Hey, man, you know what? Um, your eyes are fully adjusted to everything right now, but boom! What, uh, uh, you know what he just did? Can you believe what he did? What do you think he just did when I shone that? Dude, this is like mini lumens. <laughs> what do you think he did when I shine his light? Now he can't see me. He's just acting like he can. <laughs> Sorry, I should have warned you, but. <laughs> I kind of knew it was probably. You have disability, right, at work? You're good. I do now. All right. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> what did he do when I showed the, shine the light in his eyes? He closed them, right? How many of you, like, when the alarm went off last week when we moved the clocks forward and it was still dark, the alarm went off? You know, how, how, how many of you, when, when, when somebody turns the light on, when you're laying in bed and it's nice and dark and they turn the bright lights on, what do you do? Oh, and then what do you eventually have to do, though? You kind of stop covering it up and you start getting used to the light. You see, you've got two responses when you get the light shined in your face. Does I say that correctly, grammatically? Probably not even close. But when, some, when the light comes on, you've got two responses. One, you can hide the light and you can fight the light until you find the switch and turn it off, which is what they did with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But what's got to happen if you're going to walk successfully is you've got to let your eyes get used to the light. And when your eyes now get used to the light, now you can walk and you don't and you, you can avoid the things that trip you up in the dark. Isn't it better to walk in the light than in the dark? 
Isn't it hard to walk in the dark? But yet so many people, when they hear the gospel, they hear, they hear the word of God, and there's conviction from the Holy Spirit, they're like, no, no, no. And they hide themselves from the light. Jesus said that's what people do. It is hard to let your eyes get used to the light, especially if somebody takes a flashlight and shines it in your eyes, right? It's hard, and that's the way the Holy Spirit hits us sometimes. He doesn't just like gently turn the light on with a dimmer. Okay, I'm going to wake you up, sweetie. No, dude, God does like, bam! He nails us sometimes, and we're like, oh, no, but you know you need to hear it. So you need to spend time in that light, receiving that light, until now you're walking in the light and you are seeing it. These guys here, man, you know why they're gnashing at the teeth? Is because they don't want to see the light. They love the darkness. That's what Jesus said about them. And so they love the darkness because they are living with that earthly outlook. If I surrender to this, I'm going to have to admit that our religion has been wrong for centuries. If I surrender to this, all these people who don't are going to hate me. If I surrender this, I'm going to lose my income because we're running the temple right now. And this is where we're making a living. And I won't be able to feed my children and they're going to be poor and blah, 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 blah. We justify it, don't we? So in this, they had so many reasons why they couldn't surrender to the light. But were any of them any good? No. And so what happened is when the light was shining in their face, they covered their eyes up so they couldn't, it wouldn't change them. If they couldn't twist God's word to fit their lifestyle, they certainly were not going to twist and change their lifestyle to fit God's word. They weren't going to do it. And so here it is. They're like, we have to... We have to find the light switch. And this guy, Stephen, he is the light switch. Let's, before he blinds us, let's turn him off. And that's exactly how they were responding to this. But, I love all the buts in the Bible here. Verse 55, but. Everybody say but. 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 Isn't it great? Because one end we've got this bad news. And on the other hand, we have a but. And God comes with good news, right? He says, but he, Stephen. Read this with me, please. Being full, being full of the Holy Spirit. You remember what he said in Acts 1.8? He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be witnesses, to be my poster children. Here, there, and everywhere. Well, now it's time for Stephen to be a poster child. You can tell if you're full of the Holy Spirit. Not because you hold your hands up when we sing or not because, you know, any other. You can tell you're full of the Holy Spirit when you are God's poster child. You can't be his poster child without his power. But you guys remember, when you receive his power, now he calls you to preach. And when you preach, you now get persecuted. And when you get persecuted, it causes you to... And then you get... And then you... And it just keeps going in a cycle until God allows you to be taken out and you're done and you go to heaven, which is way better than being here. So Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, what would he say before? Master the heavenly uplook. Look at this next part. He gazed at all the crowd and he said, hmm, I think I'm fixing to get stoned and not in a good way. I think I'm fixing to get, I'm fixing to get killed. I'm fixing. Dude, these guys, there's more of them than there are with me. Woo, I think I got them mad, so let me just soothe them down. Let me calm them down. Any of y'all ever do that before? 
time to calm the, calm the troops down. Let me, just, let me see if I can wiggle my way out of this situation. Because it didn't really work out the way God, I think God wanted it to work out. Anybody ever wiggle your way out of one? Look at this, man. Being full of the Holy Spirit. He didn't gaze at all the people who were ready to kill him. Look what he did. Where did he gaze? Heaven. He looked to heaven. That's the first place we got to look, guys. Get God's perspective, not CNN, not Fox, not MSNBC, and not Drudge. We get God's perspective, guys. You gaze into heaven and look at God's perspective. And, or, and what did they see? He saw the what? The glory of God. And Jesus, oh, what's that next word? Standing. What last time we saw Jesus in Scripture, what was he doing? He was sitting, but now he's standing. So he looked into heaven, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand, which is the power of God. And so that's what he saw. Why was Jesus standing and not sitting? Oh, you know what? We don't really for sure know, but I got to go with you, Mac. I think Jesus was sitting on the right hand of God the Father, and he's going, you go, boy, you go. Preach, man, I'm giving you the power, preach. And you understand that the life up here is way better than the life there. Go, Stephen, because I'm going to use your message to lead the apostle Paul to me, and he's going to write most of the New Testament. You go, boy. And Stephen went in fearlessness. He went in faith. And I think as Jesus saw he was getting ready to be killed because it was by Jesus' design, Jesus stood up. And I think Jesus wasn't just standing there, but he was probably saying, it's okay, Stephen. It's okay. Keep doing what you're doing, Stephen. Keep doing what you're doing. Have any of you guys ever stepped out in faith and had Jesus say, come on, keep doing what you're doing? Natalie, you ever have it happen? Keep doing it. Did it make sense? No, from the earthly outlook, Stephen's like, dude, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm fixing to get stoned. And listen, this is how they did this. A proper stoning in that day, they dug a pit twice the size of the person that was there. So my pit would be about four foot. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> they dug a pit twice the size of the one that's there. And what they would do is have the guy walk up. And the one who brought the major accusations would push that person into the pit. He would lay him down face down. If he survived... Someone would go down there and flip him over. And if he was still alive, the next person, because you had to have how many witnesses? Two, two or three witnesses. And in the, in the, in two or three witnesses, they can be accused. So the next witness would take a stone from 10 foot up or however far, and they would drop this giant stone down on the person's chest. And if that didn't kill him, then everybody else started throwing the rocks at the person down there until the person was dead. And so Stephen knew full well that's what was fixing to happen. So you know what? He needed Jesus standing up there saying, come on. That's why he needed to master the heavenly outlook. He had to look up and say, this is tough. This is where I want to be. God, give me something. Give me some. Give, toss me a bone. And Jesus was there saying, come on, Stephen. It's all good. You don't even know how this is getting in. Because let me ask you a question. You guys remember a guy named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You remember those dudes? And uh, what happened to them? They got put into a fiery furnace, right? What happens to everybody who gets put in a fiery furnace? Everybody who gets put in a fire, what happens? They get burned, man, instantly, especially if Nebuchadnezzar makes the furnace extra, extra hot, right? But what happened to these guys? Dude, they didn't even smell like smoke, dude. I cooked on the barbecue grill last night with some greasy beef, man, and I still smell like smoke. 
They didn't even smell like smoke, man. So God, he can do anything instantly if he chooses to, but if he doesn't choose to do it, it doesn't need to be done. He's in charge. And so Stephen didn't know how it was all going to go. Jesus said, keep going, boy. Keep going, boy. Here it is. And I think Jesus said, you know what? You're not afraid to represent me. I'm not afraid to represent you. I think there's a scripture that goes along with that. And so gazing into heaven, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, now, he didn't have to say anything, did he? When he saw Jesus standing at the right hand right there, he didn't have to tell those guys that were against him a single word, did he? He could have kept his mouth shut. How many of y'all ever had a situation where you wish you'd have kept your mouth shut? Yeah, dude. Oh, man, I have those all the time. <laughs> many times in here, and you let me know. It's all good. But, man, he, he could have kept his mouth shut at that point and not said anything. But guess what? When you preach or when you were full of, help me out, full of power, he calls you to preach. And when you preach, you get persecution. Persecution causes you to and you get more, and you cannot help but preach. So where Stephen, uh, he was praying, looking to God for his answer, and he was getting power, and power is going to cause him to preach. <laughs> he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Is there anybody here that has been in a position with God where you could not keep your mouth shut for him? Man, that's where I always want to be. Man, I want to always not be able to keep my mouth shut because I got something so awesome to say about him in all this. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. So look what verse 56 says. He said, guys, look. Now, I don't know if everybody could see. We don't really know. I can't wait to check out the heaven flicks, you know, up in heaven. And we get to watch whether the whole earth scrolled apart and there everybody could see Jesus or if it was just a private vision for Stephen. I don't really know. We really don't know. I would like to think that it was just he scrolled it over for everybody to see. But when you're busy gnashing your teeth, do you see what God's doing? When you're busy being upset because it's not going your way, because your world's getting ready to get messed up, do you see it God's way? Even if heaven were to scroll open and Steve were to say, look, would you even look? No, because you're figuring out your game plan on how you're going to turn the light off. That's what you're doing. And so in this, Stephen says, look. I see the heavens opened in the Son of Man, which, by the way, is a term for the Messiah. And it's the last time we see that word in, in the New Testament. And he says, I, oh, uh, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He's telling them, the one you crucified, who I just told you you crucified, I see him in the sight of power, with, the sight of power with God. He's there. And oh my goodness, the light now, just they turned on the Q-beams. First was the little night light, and they're blinded. And now he turns on the Q-beams, man, and they are like, oh! These now are most dignified men. These are the up-and-up governor, you know, the people, the religious, you know, hierarchy that have a better, you know, they look good on the outside, but they're garbage on the inside. If they don't look good anywhere, they look good on the outside. So they don't lose their cool. They don't lose their... Man, they're, they're just the epitome of a politician, if you will. They just look good there. And in this situation, man, he, when the light goes on, they are just terrified of the light. Look what happens next. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. La, 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 la. I don't want to hear it. They blinded themselves. I don't want to see it. 
We've got to shut this down. And they ran at him with one accord. Remember I told you the procedure for a proper stoning? You know, it was a couple steps. Boom, boom, boom. Dude, these guys lost it. They lost it. They literally lost it because they were ready to do anything they could do to shut the light out that was causing them an irritation. If there's somebody here today that God is speaking to, and he's speaking to your heart, and you're viewing it as an irritation, it's the light that's on, and you're like, no, I don't want that to change. Anything but that. No, and you're, right now you're trying to turn the light out. Don't be these guys. Don't be these guys. I promise. Dude, EJ, you believe if I flick this in your eyes and you looked at it long enough after you went blind, you just wouldn't even bother you anymore? No. <laughs> Seriously. You all get used to the light every single day. Spiritually, man, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, get used to the light. Don't run from it and hide back in the darkness again. Man, these most dignified people of Israel, they lost it and they literally ran at him with one accord. Now, this word ran at him in the Greek is only used one other time in scripture. Do you remember when Jesus like uh, healed, uh, he, he healed, a, uh, well, I think it was a demoniac and he cast the demons into the swine. And do you remember when the swine, all heard a swine ran over the cliff? Well, that's the only other time this word ran. These guys were running at Stephen the way the the pigs were running off the cliff. They had totally lost it. They were basing everything on their emotions. Hey, is it ever a good thing when we make decisions based on our emotions? Oh, no, it isn't. How many of y'all ever made really bad emotional decisions? Yeah. Dude, it, stuff comes out of your mouth. It comes out all over the place, dude. It comes off your face. It's like, and then you try to put it back. It's like putting toothpaste back in a tube, right? You ever do that? How good are you at doing that? We're like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, dude, you just make more of a mess, don't you? Man, these guys, anything to turn off the light. And I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm looking at all of you guys, and I can't imagine anybody here trying to turn the light off. But if God's flicking a light on in you right now, and you're trying to turn it off, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy because it's going to just cause you more issues. Get used to the light. Start walking in the light. Master the heavenly uplook and not the earthly outlook. So look what happens. They ran in one accord, verse 58, and they cast him out of the city. Well, at least they did one part of this, right? They got him out of the city. That was the legal stoning, and they stoned him. I have a feeling they didn't push him in a pit and systematically drop one on their chest and this and that and the other, but what happened was they just stoned him out of anger. They're doing everything they can to shut the light off. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named what? Saul. Oh, dude, this is so awesome. Saul. What does Saul later get his name changed to? Saul. And what does he later write? Almost all of the New Testament. And Stephen, quite possibly, was used for a short period of time for God. To be able to show the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul and he was the Christ Christian killing Saul. He was used to show him what somebody full of the Holy Spirit would look like and be an example. God may have just brought Stephen into the world for a short period of time to be a little example, to be a little piece of something way bigger than him. Guess what, folks? That's what he's brought all of us in here to do. 
Every one of us has our own venue. We have our own circle of influence. We have our own environment. And each one of us, God has strategically placed us where he's placed us to be a little part of something way bigger than us. And this Apostle Paul, we have indications all the way in Acts chapter 26 of where he remembers this situation with Stephen. It was where God began working on his heart. But again, what happens when you hit the light? When you hit the light, man, you like can fight it or you can get used to it. And when we jump into next chapter next week, we're going to see that Paul vehemently went against it and started fighting it until God started fighting him. And I can't wait to get there. But man, let me ask you a question. If God puts you on the earth, to simply be used for him, by him, for a very short time, to bring somebody like Paul to him, would you sign up for the job? Would you be okay? Would you think it's insignificant that I only got to be a, a born-again believer this amount of time? I only did this, only did... Man, you know what? We, we, we look at worldly significance as opposed to spiritual significance. Man, he's the potter and we are the clay. And he's made each one of us with a specific purpose. And when we're used the way God has designed us to be used, we're content. But when we're trying to be something that he didn't design us to be, we're discontent and we keep looking for other things. Man, you have no idea what God wants to use you for. You might know right now, but you don't, want, you don't even know what the next thing is. Just keep letting him use you. And I'll tell you what will happen. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. You let him be the king and do the right thing, he says, and everything you need will be added unto you. Does Stephen have everything he needed here? Well, you're like, no, dude, I'd have liked some rock-proof body armor, <laughs> you know. But he didn't want it because he knew he was fixing to go see Jesus. So the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Stephen. And the beginning of the next chapter says, and he fully approved of this stoning. He was probably one of the leaders. He actually had a vote in the Sanhedrin, we, we believe, from later chapters in Acts. He was part of all of this. And so they were officially laying down their clothes, really, so they could throw better. But it was a term of honor, like, yeah, we're doing what you're calling us to do, Paul. And God is going to use Paul in a mighty way later. Look at the next verse. And look what happened. They stoned Stephen. They stoned him. Now, how many of y'all at that point when you're being stoned, do you now feel that you have the right to not be very spiritual? <laughs> First rock hits you in the head. You're like, all right, Jesus will understand, right? <laughs> I'm going to start running. I'm going to start like throwing back. I'm going to whatever. How many of y'all think that once you've been offended to a certain point, now you don't have to be spiritual anymore? You ever get there? How, come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. You're in a fight and somebody pushes that button. It's like, oh, no, you didn't. And then you get all devil on them, right? How many of y'all have been all devil on somebody before? Come on. You guys are still in the flesh. You're not all pious. You're out of your sleep. Yeah. But look what happens when you're filled with the spirit. When you're full of the spirit, you're full of love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. All of these things. And so Stephen was being stoned as he was, what was he doing? He's mastering the heavenly uplook. So read that to me. He was calling on God. Hey, how do we pray? How do we call on God? Do we like, do we like call him up on, how many of y'all got him on speed dial on your phone, on your smartphone? We don't have an app for God yet, do we? Right? Man, we got, you know, if, if he doesn't have a Facebook page, <laughs> you know, good, because I probably would have a lot more, I don't know, but anyways, it'd be interesting to see the likes and dislikes that God has on a Facebook page, but 
in this. You, you pray by calling on God. It says, man, he was calling on God even while he was getting stoned and being put to death. Who else did that? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus did. Absolutely. Remember Jesus? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the one of the thieves was like, man, if you're really a son of God, why don't you get us off here? And the other one said, shut up, man. We deserve what we get. He said, will you remember me, Lord, when you come to paradise? And Jesus said, yeah, this day you'll be in paradise with me. You also remember he looked down, he saw his mom crying, and John, he said, John, take care of my mom. Mom, John's going to take care of you. Who's he thinking about in all this so far? The people who are killing him, he's, he's thinking about his mom. He's thinking about the other thief on the cross. Man, he just, and he kept on going. And, and so we never get a time where we're now legally able to check out and say, God, okay, we're not going to be spiritual now. When the minute you stop being spiritual is the minute you start making major mistakes. That's the minute you start getting consequences. So, and look what he said. Do you remember what Jesus said? Did, did they kill him or did he give it up? He gave it up. And, and you want to do a cool study for Easter? Study the last sayings on the seven sayings on the cross. You remember what he said? He said, it's finished. And it wasn't no little like wimpy, like on the movie, like, oh, it is finished. Oh, I can't handle it more. It was like, it's finished. It's done. Salvation for everyone. It was a victory cry, a battle cry. And then he said, now into your hands, I commit my spirit. Isn't that what he's just doing right here? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Just like Jesus is amazing. He's such a beautiful picture of Christ because he's full of Christ. He's full of the spirit. Look at verse 16. We're almost done. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Look what he did. Lord, don't charge him with this sin. Man, how many of you in the flesh would not want? How many of y'all would be saying, God, you see what they're doing? Go get them. <laughs> How about some lightning bolts? I've been representing you. Now you represent me. Come on. I mean, inside we might be feeling that, right? But when you're full of the spirit, you're not even feeling that. He's like, Lord, don't charge them with their sin. Because charging with their sin, meaning they would spend eternity where? Yeah. And he knew God had such bigger plans for him. Such bigger plans for him. Lord, don't charge him with his sin. And when he said this, what did it say next? He fell asleep. Okay, so, oh, yeah, next day, oh, everything's awesome. Well, he did say that because he didn't wake up in the same place, did he? Where did he wake up? Heaven. How many of you believe you're going to wake up in heaven and be, oh, dude, I wasn't finished with that pizza. I was going to eat that leftover this morning. <laughs> Come on, God, what are you thinking? I mean, how many literally, when you wake up in heaven, are going to be disappointed you're not at home in earth? Anybody? We need to talk if that's you, because you don't know what heaven's like. Man, for Christians, we don't die, man. We wake up. <laughs> and for non-Christians, they don't die. They wake up. It's just we get to wake up in two different places. Without Christ, that's not the end for anybody. But without Christ, when you die, you wake up in hell. And how long are you there for? Forever. It's too late to change your decision. It's too late to change your heart. It's too late to surrender. But for those of us that have Christ, man, 
take me out. <laughs> I'm digging this life. And, and you know what? I, I think God's going to keep me around long enough to get certified. So, well, certified for scuba. You guys know I'm certified already. So. <laughs> but certified, I, I think he's going to keep me around long enough. But if he doesn't, that's his choice, <laughs> not mine. And when he chooses to take me off this planet, I have got an all-expense paid trip to paradise. All-inclusive, man. You thought sandals in Jamaica was awesome? Wait till you get to heaven. You thought that cruise ship was awesome, man? Wait till you get to heaven. It's all there. And so he fell asleep. Now, let me ask a question. How many of y'all fell asleep last night? All right, some of y'all yawning and tired. It's, it's a, it, am I, but you fell asleep last night, right? Did any of you, like, not expect to wake up? You were like, oh, this is it. <laughs> I don't want to go to sleep. This is it. I'm never going to wake up again. Anybody feel that way last night? No, every one of you fully expected to wake up again, right? And you did. It's the same way when we leave this body and we leave this planet. We fall asleep and we wake up again, but we wake up somewhere else way better if you have Christ. And that's what Stephen's message is. That's what all of our message is when we master, help me out, when we master the heavenly outlook and not the You know what the earthly outlook is? The earthly outlook is I've got to grab my significance, grab my stuff. I'm adding it up because you know you've seen those U-Hauls following the hearse, right? <laughs> you've seen you can take it with you, man. Now, I'm going to somehow build that, build that pyramid and have everything with me, you know. But isn't that how so often we live? It's about the stuff here. Man, it's not about that. It is if you have the earthly outlook but not if you have mastered the heavenly outlook. So I want to encourage you to be like Stephen and be like the Apostle Paul and make the commitment to say, man, first, thing, first place I'm going to look is up. First place I'm going to look is up to him. He's the first channel I'm going to turn on. He's the first person I'm going to ask for advice. He's the first thing I'm going to go to. And that's how you master that heavenly outlook. Because all we got to do is neglect that, and we will master the earthly outlook. Let's pray if we could. Father, thank you um, for giving me the words to say. I'm pretty confident that these words were yours. And forgive me for any that weren't. But, Father, I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would take this message and, and just bury it deep down inside every one of us. Because, Father, it's, it's when things get hard, when things get hairy, when things get crazy, that we act more like animals than someone who's made in your image. We act more off our instinct, our physical instinct, than our spiritual nature. Help us, Father, before we just do whatever's instinctive. Before we have fear, before we act out of emotion, help us, Father, to hear from you and accept the grace you're given us to look up to you and to see what you have to say about the situation. And, and Father, toss us a bone. Father, I know that you tell us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that you are faithful. You will not allow us to go through anything that we can't handle, but you will make the way for us to escape. There's only one way, and it's got to be your way. And, and Father, as we... Go down your path, down your tunnel with your power. Father, 
I pray that we would experience what you want us to experience in this situation. 